and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is Bill Henstock. Bill, very talented writer and author of We Promised You a Great Main Event and an authorized WWE history. I'm right back into wrestling thanks to my daughter Abby who is obsessed with it and I've been away from it for quite some time and she got me right back into it. It's one of those things where if you're away from it for a while, you can get right back into it and it's like you never left pretty much. Uh, speak with Bill about just the state of wrestling, why he wrote the book, and it's, it's probably the most complete book about the WWE ever. It's fantastic. It's very objective. Uh, and if you like any part of wrestling, you'll enjoy this book. And even if you don't, it's, it gives you a pretty in-depth uh, look at the history of the WWE. Bill, really nice guy, really talented guy, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with him. So, Bill, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, asking me to be on and having me. So it's good to be here. Yeah, uh, the book is, you know, it's fantastic. We promised you a great main event, you know, the unauthorized history of the WWE. Um, what made you decide to write the book? Um, a combination of things. I uh, had been, at the time I was given the opportunity to write the book um i had been reporting on uh pro wrestling for about seven or eight years at that point um and i had gotten to know a whole bunch of people uh in the wrestling business um and see how it works on both sides and i had also had an opportunity to sort of see a little bit how the sausage was made on the, the TV side of, of, of uh, networks that, uh, that carried pro wrestling. Um, so I, you know, I was considered a bit of, I, I was considered, you know, I would say an expert or somewhat of an authority on, on the field at the time. And uh, I was given the opportunity to, uh, pitched this book to HarperCollins um, and the the thing that they wanted from it was a chance to tell a complete history of WWE but have it be in my voice so you know as I say in the introduction of the book there's a lot of really great books about wrestling out there uh, and there's a lot of uh, very knowledgeable people more knowledgeable than I better historians than I am who've written books about pro wrestling but I don't think there's ever really been a book about pro wrestling that is objective, is researched, and is also written with with skill and written with the intent to both be entertaining and also not talk down to the wrestling fan. Um, so I, it was a, it was a tricky needle to thread of. I wanted the book to be accessible to everyone, regardless of whether they'd never seen a pro wrestling match before, or if they were, you know, a, a diehard internet, you know, smart mark for 30 years. Um, and I don't, I don't know whether I necessarily succeeded in that, but it was a, an interesting, it was an interesting thing to attempt to do. And, and um, it was a, it was a, a really great process to write the book and to go through the editing process with the great people at Harper. And um, I had a really phenomenal editor, uh, Hannah Long. And uh, yeah, it was just, a, you know, the, the initial 
the initial draft that I turned in of the book was vastly different than the final product that, that came out. And I think, you know, I feel that, you know, it's a much better book than the book that I initially uh, turned in. Um, But it's a, yeah, it was a a great, uh, a great experiment. And uh, I can now say I've written a book and, (laughs) and that's fun. And, And the people that I know that I respect, um, they all enjoy it. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's a great thing to have accomplished and I'm looking forward to writing more books in the future, but probably not about pro wrestling. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, no, like it was, you know, you told it straight down the middle, you know, you didn't bash anybody. It was, it was good. It was, you know, I thought it was pretty objective what you, you know, set out to do and you had, you know, you talk about your editor, uh, does the editor have to be knowledgeable like in the field or just be kind of shape the book to make a better book? And it doesn't matter what the topic is, just make sure it's a better book. Yeah, I don't think I, I think that I think that an editor has to be a good editor, first okay. and foremost. And that's what Hannah is, um, okay. because the book that I originally turned in. Um, there are times where it got super into the weeds about everything. I think the. Right the first draft I turned in was something somewhere between 600 and 700 word pages, which okay. probably would have been like a 1200 page book. And right now it's a 400 page book. So um, there's a lot of stuff that, that was in there where um, H- Hannah didn't know a ton about pro wrestling, but as, as she went through and edited the book, she went down all sorts of rabbit holes of Wikipedia pages and watching stuff on YouTube and yeah, that kind of stuff because you know a lot of people i've heard from a lot of people who've read the book like especially lapsed fans who are like you know i i read the book and it reminded me of how much i liked this guy so i went and watched a bunch of his old matches and that sort of thing so she was just really interested by some of the stories i was telling and she would have to like go look it up when she she found a story that really hooked her or a a character that really hooked her um I, i don't i i think that um I think that in the case, I think that in the case like this, it was a really good relationship between me saying like, um, well, this thing is really important um, to have in the book and people expect me to talk about this right. thing. And, um, and, and bringing my knowledge of like, no, like we really, we really can't not talk about this specific thing. And her being like, you know, you, you lose the thread. Like you, you get so into a, a tangent about talking about this or you get so granular and uh, dissecting this specific story that it takes the reader out of what you're actually trying to, to accomplish. Like the, the original draft, there was a, I went in, de- I, I went in depth in the, the full story of Tom Mega Man McGee, which is uh, someone who Vince McMahon wanted to um, really thought was going to be the guy to take the 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 WWF after uh, Hulk Hogan. He, he was going to be the guy, and I, I just I, I spent many pages telling the the Tom McGee story, and ultimately it it doesn't amount to anything because Tom McGee was in the business for a couple of years and then washed out. Right. And um, my editor was smart enough to 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 say like, this story doesn't really have a point. Like you could just say that you know Vince wanted to have this guy be his next star, but he wasn't 
yeah. he didn't have what it took and, the, and have that be that you don't have to go so in depth so that that's just one example but that's the sort of thing where it's like i think that if someone had i think that if i had had an editor who was like a huge wrestling fan it maybe wouldn't have been a strong yeah. as, as strong a book because maybe that person would have been like no i want to hear all these stories and it would be really good so i since i since one of my goals going into the book was to try and make a book that was accessible to everyone. I think that it was good that I had someone who wasn't a wrestling fan so that they could tell me I'm not a wrestling fan and this is entertaining to me as opposed to I'm already know I'm going to be entertained because I am a wrestling fan. So it's good to have that objective viewpoint. Yeah. Like you said, it probably would have been a 12 to 1500 page. You want to read your book that long. True. Um, Like, I've gone my relationship with wrestling is, you know, 35 years now. Uh, but it is stretches where, you know, didn't watch it. And it was a long stretch, pretty much the whole entire John Cena era. Mm-hmm. I did not see, did not see any of his matches until I read the book and uh, CM Punk, Punk, you know, pipe bomb promo. Didn't know anything about it until I read your book. Mm-hmm. So I went and watched it on YouTube. I'm like, wow, this is great. And then you find it. Whether it was you know real or you know part of the story, whatever. My daughter, who is eleven now, got me back into wrestling. She was mm. watching all the women's matches on YouTube. You know, I fell see. in love with the Bella Twins and everything like that. So I was watching all these matches. I could probably recite the order of the Royal Rumble from twenty eighteen because I watched it so many times with her. Mm. But what um just what was your goal besides just to write a book? I, I wanted to, uh, my initial goal going in, which was, I, I understand now very much so, was foolhardy. Right. My initial goal going in was, I want to have, I want to make the most complete, up-to-date, well-researched, informed, uh, you know, uh, authentic, um, vetted, history of wwe that's yes. ever been written right. um i i reached out to hundreds of people in the industry and um almost no one could talk to me about it right because uh i i i had the very unfortunate um timing of writing the book when um wwe was at the time i was writing the book wwe was cracking down very hard on i i knew that i wanted to i I knew that i i was not going to reach out to anyone who was under a current wwe contract right um so uh at the time i was writing the book either people were under legends deals or they thought they were going to be under legends deals so weren't willing to go on record about the company or aew was just starting up so none of those people wanted to talk about something that was related to the company that they don't work for. Uh, all of the people who had been released in the past couple of years were so disenchanted with WWE that they didn't want to have their names associated with something with WWE. Um, I talked to, you know, I talked to a dozen or so people that were really helpful and, and, and great, but I, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to do official interviews with it really you know, uh, even a fraction of the people that I reached out to to, right. to to be part of the book, and then I, I, I also realized that as, on the historian side, 
I'm not a historian of pro wrestling. There are many people who are historians of pro wrestling. And thanks to their books, uh, I was able to be much more informed about the world of pro wrestling. But these are people who have given, you know, their entire lives or decades of their time to chronicling pro wrestling. And I I acknowledge them in the the comments uh, Mm -hmm. of of my book. Uh, You know, I'm really indebted to the work that they've done. So I, I understand now what a the goal I had in writing the book was very far from what the book ended up being, but right. I'm still proud of the book. And I still, I wrote the book that I, I wrote the book that I had the the biggest expertise in being able to write about um, from, from an informed fans perspective, like, but uh, someone who's also been inside the business and someone who has connections to the business. And uh, although I don't, uh, have on the record interviews with people who are are in the book. It's it's very much informed by, you know, a lifelong fandom in conjunction with a decade of covering the sport, reporting on the sport, and being inside it. Um, so so I, my goal in writing the book initially was to just like, no one's ever done a complete, uh, you know, Capital Wrestling Federation in the 50s and 60s all the way up to modern day like up to the minute like it ended up being the you know while i was doing the final edits in the book the covid stuff happened so the covid era is in the book and it's the most up-to-date document of wwe that you can have available to you right now um so i think that it's it's one of the most comprehensive histories of, of pro wrestling in terms of just looking at the entirety of WWE and the McMahon family. Right. Um, Cause most, you know, the, the, the other most like comprehensive, like this is the story of the McMahon family and WWE was probably sex lies and headlocks. And that came out, you know, 15 to 17 years ago yeah. at this point. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good time for me to have written it. What's like the biggest like takeaway you got out of writing the book, biggest surprise, biggest, disappointment anything um the disappointment was probably that you know i i based on when i was writing it i wasn't able to get more direct quotes to go in the book from people who who had been there um but i i learned a lot from writing the book and i learned you know what it takes to write a book which was really important um and uh and now I know I can do it. And now I know that I, I hope to do it again. Um, I also learned that I probably don't want to uh, write another book about pro wrestling unless yeah. it's, uh, you know, unless it's like something like, um, you know, if, if I have a crazy opportunity to do, you know, something specific, or if I, you know, if someone wants to tap me to co-write their autobiography or something like that, like, yeah, for sure. I'll do stuff like that. But um I, I there i have a bunch of other interests um things that i'm much more interested in than professional wrestling and and uh i hope to to one day get a chance to write another book right well if it's as entertaining as your wrestling one i'll definitely read it so thank you i appreciate that yeah, yeah. but um like just now with, with the state of wrestling you know currently like i said my daughter is and i'm like i should be an expert now in the women's <laughs> vision everything going on um what do you what's your take on the women's division right now I think it's great. I think that um, obviously 
um, with the exception of, uh, you know, maybe 90s All Japan Women's. Um, and that even that was very, like, niche. Um, this is absolutely the best time for women's wrestling in history because of the capability of the performers, of them being given, you know, they still don't get equal screen time and they probably right. never will. Um, they don't get equal respect and hopefully they will someday. But um, as far as companies being willing to put their weight behind proudly saying we have women's wrestling and it's great and you should watch it, um, that's never happened in North America before. Um, WWE dabbled in doing that for a bit in the 90s with Alundra Blaze. Right. But um, quickly, you know, fell out of favor with that. And then WCW never cared about women's wrestling at all. Yeah. Um, ECW never had women. There's a lot of indies that have never had women. Mm-hmm. Ring of Honor has tried experimenting with women at various times. Um, in the early 2000s uh, and into the 2010s, um, TNA and Impact did great stuff with their women with the knockouts division. They were the standard bearers for a long time. Mm-hmm. But um, that's, uh, you know, because of everyone being elevated by um, the the strength of the performers in WWE and, and TNA, you know, we, we recently had uh, Tessa, Tessa Blanchard was the Impact world champion. Like right. not even, not even women's champion. She was the world mm-hmm. champion. And you've got uh, women headlining pay-per-views for WWE and women headlining takeovers on NXT. And uh, just a, a last week, um, AEW had the women headline um, a, a, a uh, weekly television show in a no-holds-barred match. Um, and it was something that North American crowds hadn't really seen a lot of from uh, women wrestlers. But I... You know, AEW still has a really long way to go with their women's division. WWE still has a long way to go with their women's division and, and propping it up and making it important. But uh, it, it's it's really never been a better time to be a fan of women's wrestling. And it's never been a better time to be a, a woman who is in the world of wrestling. Um, there's so many opportunities and, and so many people who are interested in it. And I'm just so excited about, you know, like your daughter and people who are growing up watching this wrestling i i I honestly believe that like this is the best time in history probably to be a kid growing up watching wrestling because while there's still so far to go for every company the 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 amount of representation the amount of inclusivity the 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 lessening amount of toxicity um it's just it's really cool and it's really it's really fun to watch and and i also have to give a lot of credit for women's wrestling honestly to total divas um and to the bellas because that's been such a gateway for people um when total divas debuted i was really heavily writing about wrestling every day for for sports websites and over the course of the first five or six years of total divas i cannot tell you how many times i've had people come up to me and be like hey my wife or my sister or my in-law or whoever whatever woman in my life has been watching total divas on e and they are really interested about going to wrestling what should we do how should we what what sort of wrestling event should we go to and it's people who would never have even 
considered professional wrestling as something that they might like or consider going to a professional wrestling show. And it's just, there's a reality show on E and I watched it and it's really entertaining and I care about these people. And now I'm interested in seeing what they do for a living. Yeah. And that's how my, my daughter basically discovered it, you know, clips on YouTube, of like, you know, yeah. old divas and like, you know, the, the bells and everything like that. And the, the matches came afterwards. Yeah. And, you know, she's excited for the Hall of Fame ceremony because the Bellas are getting inducted. <laughs> Whatever ceremony they have this year, you know, who knows yeah. what, what, what's the be- the, like. <laughs> the Bellas and Molly Holly are going in this year. Yeah. I think well, that's awesome. Um, and, and it's what's crazy to me is we're, um, we're in the era of this is how, how, how far wrestling's progressed. Like, we're, we're like Bailey and Sasha like grew up watching Lita and right. Trish Stratus and now yeah. they're wrestling and the the really crazy thing to me um that happened just a month or so ago one of the new signees to the WWE Performance Center who's she's 18 or 19 okay. she she was like when I was a kid I bought a WWE Performance Center shirt off the WWE shop and now I get one for real because wow. the Performance Center has now been a lo- around long enough for mm-hmm. kids to have for yeah. kids to have been like I'm going to go there someday and now I, they're going there. Yeah. No that's it's fantastic and um and just watching also like NXT every every Wednesday night that definitely improves the women's division as well because they have some fantastic women in there and also ones who are now in, in the wwe on the main roster sure. i think they're just as strong as the main roster right now i think and i personally think nxt is the best wrestling show right. and promotion on in television right now yeah absolutely absolutely and i, I think they did um did they announce monday night that the, the, the two you know the two night wrestlemania that i think sasha and bianca are gonna be on the first night but not main evented which I really thought that they would main event in one of the two nights and hopefully that'll yeah, change hopefully. a little bit because that, that would have yeah. been uh, dropped the ball I felt in that one. I mean, they, their line of thinking is probably, you know, we had Rhonda and Becky main event, you know, two years mm-hmm. ago and now Becky's gone. And right. I mean, I, yeah, like both of the women's WrestleMania matches are going to be really great. Sasha right. Bianca is going to be awesome. And then Rhea Oscar is going to be yeah. fantastic because Oscar's probably my favorite women's wrestler of all time. Yeah, so. she's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. But she hasn't, I don't think she's defended the title in quite some time. Well, she's been injured, so. Yeah, right. And you've seen, like, the same four wrestlers on Raw the last, like, month. You see, the, you know, Naomi and Yolanda and, you know, Mandy and Dana. They just keep circling, recycling <laughs> those four with uh, with, with uh, Beyond, not with uh, the tag team. Oh, Shana, uh, Shayna Baszler and uh, Nia Jax. Which I figured that those two are going to end up facing each other soon. Yeah, you would you would assume. Yeah, yeah right, exactly, or Reginald. But um, what do you think of Fastlane? Um, I didn't see a lot of Fastlane, honestly. Um, I don't because I got a I've got a toddler, so I don't really have a lot of time to yeah. um, to watch stuff. Uh, Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns was fantastic, of course, yeah. and I really hope that they end up doing a triple threat there. Sure um, I think because there's always a possibility they'll do Edge, Daniel Bryan, night one with you know the winner yeah. faces Roman Reigns night two. But um, I, I hope they do a triple threat because it'd be amazing. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, it definitely seems set up that way with the way they they did the finish of that match. But Daniel Bryan's just um, there. There are very few people 
in the history of pro wrestling who have just fundamentally understood professional wrestling on the right. level that Daniel Bryan does. And it's always, it's always fantastic to watch him do what he does. Right. And even like say a month ago when he was getting so many guys over and now, you know, it just, now they finally, you know, brought him back to me in event status. And, and I'm like watching the match with my daughter and I'm basically, I knew everything. I, I predicted everything that happened in that match. And she's like, how do you know this? And I'm like, I've watched <laughs> wrestling for many, many years, you know? And then my son who's 16, who has no interest, sometimes I'll watch it. And he's like, Roman Reigns just tapped out. So why are they calling a match? I'm like, do you see the referee on the floor? He knocked out. The referee didn't see it. There's no challenge flags in wrestling. There's no instant replay. If the ref didn't see it, it didn't happen. You know, it's like the fundamental thing. That's wrestling one-on-one, you know? <laughs> yeah. So going back to the book for a second, what, one moment you think to find the last 30, 35 years of wrestling? 35 years? Or like, so, you know, last like probably 40, 35, 40 years of wrestling. Um, so wait, you're, so you're saying back to like Hulk Hogan? Yeah, probably from like 1980 on the last like 40 years. Um, we, there's actually so it's funny the day that you and i are recording this is the 20th anniversary of wwe buying wcw right so i would say you know it's probably that <laughs> um, right. a lot of people a lot of people say you know when wwe bought wcw that was you know the downfall or the death or, or the 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 thing that fundamentally changed professional wrestling for the worse uh, or something that fundamentally changed professional wrestling that professional wrestling is still attempting to recover from. And I don't, I don't view it that way. Um, I don't like the attitude era. Um, I had, I had a fun time watching it. Right. You know, most of the time when I was yeah. a teenager or whatever. Right. Um, but looking back on it now, it's just unwatchable. Like it, it's, it's so, it's so bad. It's so mm-hmm. toxic. It's so caustic. It's so focused on, juvenile stupid stuff and mm-hmm. and you know th- there's a lot of pro-, pro wrestling there's a lot of wwe that still boils down to like what a couple weird old dudes find funny um which is obviously unfortunate um but i i i really think that you know because before wcw sold to wwe eric bischoff was on the verge of buying wcw with a, right. with a company um, but uh, that didn't happen. And the, the plan when WWE bought WCW was, um, you know, we'll find a time slot on a network um, to run WCW and we'll still run it like two different companies, but we'll just own it. Or we'll run it like two different promotions, but we'll, we'll own it all. Uh, but there was not a single network on television that was willing to touch anything that had the WCW name on it because right. they'd run it so far into the ground at that point. Um, but I think that, you know, there were things in motion when WCW went under, um, ECW had gone out of business that same year and, uh, or had gone out of business in 2000. And, um, so there were, there, there was already the seeds of what would eventually become ring of honor and that East coast indie scene. Um, there was King of Indies in the Bay area, which really is what 
really what jump started the the whole indie dream match super work rate thing in America. Um, so there was already that bubbling under, but I I really think that you know if WCW doesn't get bought out by WWE and get shuttered, you don't get as vibrant a, a, an indie scene. You don't get TNA, which Jeff Jarrett started because he got blackballed from WWE after right. WCW was bought. You don't get so much of what ended up happening, which is you had WWE going. After a few years, you had TNA doing really good stuff, and they brought in the X Division, which was, you know, the the new breed of cruiserweight wrestling, which really jump started people's passion for cruiserweight wrestling and in or that style of like indie right. super work rate wrestling in in North America, and you don't get this independent scene that creates all these drastically different wrestlers that the indie scene was constantly being reactionary and being a counterpoint to what WWE was putting out. And without those two things playing off each other, you don't get CM Punk. You don't get Daniel Bryan. You don't get Seth Rollins. You don't get all of the stars of the past. Like you'll get, You'll get John Cena and you'll get Batista, but you won't get what wrestling looks like now. And wrestling now is so focused on the ability of people, the ability to tell stories in the ring with an athletic bent that had ne- has never been seen before in the history of wrestling. I mean, maybe in Japan at times, but um, I, I think... WCW getting bought changed everything, but change it. I don't think it changed it in a bad way. Right. Out of okay, so the forty years, and we'll stick with that kind of theme. Uh, most important wrestler. Uh, it's. Hogan. It, it's it, it. There's an argument to be made for Hogan because he you know, was the thing that got WWE to be a household name, WWF to be a household name. Right. He was the thing that got pro wrestling to people's idea of pro wrestling is still largely shaped by what the Hulkamania era represented. Um, so I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that wrestling ever reached the main, well, that's not true. So, Hogan uh, argument can be made. An argument can be made for Austin um, because Austin uh, was the encapsulation of you know the the metatextual re- reflexivity of pro wrestling, where you're saying this isn't Hulkamania. This is now. This is now. This is now today. It brought it into mainstream and. Austin and NWO and DX um, and The Rock all um, probably brought the greatest like crossover mainstream success with like everyone in every school everywhere wearing the Austin 316 shirt or the NWO shirt. Um, and that didn't happen in a Hulkamania area mm-hmm. era. Like not just because like the, the merchandising wasn't as accessible, but because it wasn't cool necessarily to be a, a, a Hulk Hogan fan. Um, and there's also an argument to be made for The Rock because he's the biggest celebrity in the world now. And he 
wouldn't be there if he hadn't started in pro wrestling. Are you, you mentioned The Rock. Are you surprised in just his like transformation? I'm surprised he's as good as he is. Right. Um, he always, the second he became The Rock, the second he transitioned from Rocky Maivia to The Rock, yeah. you could tell there was something really undeniably special about the guy. Yeah. If he wanted you to hate him, you hated him. Right. If he wanted you to love him, you loved him. And all the times he he wanted you to hate him, you could only hate him for so long because he is yeah. so undeniably charismatic. Right. Um, and you watch his early movies, and he's just being his rock character. Yeah. Um, and now you you watch him in movies now, and he's turned into a legitimate action star and a good actor. Yeah, you're you're, you're absolutely right. And he very well could be president one day. Yeah. Who knows? I mean. <laughs> after what happened you know the last few years anything's possible <laughs> yeah but after like those guys just technical wrestler wrestlers of the last 40 years who would you put like your route mount rushmore oh um well so i think bret hart is probably the best wrestler who's ever lived just from a right. technical aspect um and i think that the only reason that people think Ric Flair is a better wrestler than Bret Hart is because Ric Flair was facing on average a much better caliber of wrestler than Bret right. Hart had to face because Bret Hart was largely the absolute best wrestler in a company that was filled with people who weren't anywhere right. near his level. Whereas Ric Flair had a huge stable of people who were either, either, decent or extremely good um and you also had the 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 difference of like rick flair was being asked to wrestle 45 minute and 60 minute matches every night uh in 300 cities every year because that's how southern wrestling worked and bret hart was being asked to wrestle 12 minute matches because that's the extent of the capability of the people that he was wrestling um and i think that that's like i i i think rick flair is one of the best who has ever lived but I think that people think people think of Ric Flair on another level of I think that if people think of Ric Flair as a better wrestler than Bret Hart, they're not factoring in the field. Um, and I think the, the same thing about Shawn Michaels. I think that if Bret had had a chance to come back and do a second half of his career and if he hadn't had to retire early, um, yeah. Shawn Michaels got to come back and have another you know 10 years or whatever. Um, and that's that's why people love Shawn Michaels to the extent they do. Um, I think Bret Hart's one of the best to ever do it. I think Ric Flair's one of the best to ever do it. I think Chris Benoit is one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. And uh, and the the technical wrestlers that are around today, all of them are influenced so heavily by Chris Benoit, whether they admit it or not. Yeah. Um, Chris Benoit changed how the average fan views mat wrestling and technical right. wrestling. Um, Kurt Angle too. Um, yeah. yeah, there's just there's so many uh, uh, amazing wrestlers. Um, but I, uh, my my Mount Rushmore of technical wrestlers would probably be Brett, Ric Flair, Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan, and uh, I, I don't know if I put Benoit <laughs> up there I know for, it's, for it's reasons. Touchy subject, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just. Um, there's been there's been so many so many awesome 
technical wrestlers that just will probably never get their due like steve regal and um, yeah uh arn anderson right just great and, and i love i love dean malenko there's just like yeah. something about watching those dudes where it's there's something about watching a guy who's that good at what they do that is so captivating to me and something that i i sometimes like to watch is uh i'll watch like um wrestling seminar like the high spots and other companies uh do like they'll film a wrestling seminar and they'll um they'll upload it um and i've there's a couple like chris hero wrestling seminars that i've watched i watched a kenny omega wrestling seminar but like chris hero likes to do stuff in his seminars where he just just chains with people like he's like let's i'm, I'm gonna take a student you and i are gonna do an exercise where we'll, we'll just do reversals until i say stop and we can't do the same reversal twice and it's it's so cool to to watch that sort of stuff and like i've i've taken like mma classes so like i i understand the the um the mental gymnastics that are required to like when you're caught in something all the different things you have to remember um, and take into account uh, to know how to get out of something and then to have the mastery over your body to actually accomplish it. Wow. One of the guys I like watching now is AJ Styles, who I think is, you know, I, I really didn't watch him when I guess peaked WWE. Now he's kind of middling a little, and you know, in the, I guess middle card, uh, so, so to speak, and hopefully he'll get another push soon. Mm-hmm. You know, um, are there any guys that you kind of feel disappointed in their like you know status in WWE. Oh, know, a million, a million guys. Right, uh, Alistair Black. Alistair Black isn't yeah. even on TV now. He's right. one of the. He's one of my absolute favorite wrestlers of all time, yeah. and um, it, it's probably likely that unless his status in WWE changes, he'll probably show up in AEW or New Japan as Tommy End at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's a dude that I've gotten a chance to sit down with a couple times and talk to and he's the coolest dude he's the most interesting dude he has a brilliant mind for the business he's one of the like i feel the most marketable looking dudes the most compelling dudes and he's got the goods in the ring he's got the charisma he's got on the mic he's basically the whole package and his wife's an absolute sweetheart as well but um like I, I Alistair Black's a guy. Um, Cesaro, obviously. Yeah. Although there's still a chance that Cesaro's gonna. There's still a chance someday Cesaro will be, uh, get put in a good position. Still a chance Big E might one day be put in a good position. Yeah. But like this is, I mean, Andrade just got released. Yeah. He's a guy who's got all the ability in the world, and he's probably gonna be a world champion somewhere really soon. Right. Um. Uh, but that's the great thing. That's the great thing is that. I don't begrudge. I can be disappointed when I feel that someone's being underutilized, but it's not black and white because, um, because nothing is, but because uh, yeah, there's a bunch of people who could be world champions, but not everyone can get to be world champion. And actually the fewer people that get to be world champion, (laughs) the more special it is that people are world champion. Um, 
so yeah, it, it's a bummer that people are underutilized, but at this at the end of the day, it's such a big pro wrestling world now that if people are feeling underutilized, they are free to go elsewhere and live up to whatever ability they want to live up to. And if they if they're frustrated with being underutilized and still continue to sign with the company, re-sign with WWE, I don't begrudge them that at all. If they're happy with what they're doing, like yeah. go for it, man. Right. Like Brian Myers and Matt Cardona, uh, Kurt Hawkins and Zach Ryder are great yeah. examples of this. Like Zach Ryder obviously has been many times frustrated with how he's being used in the company because right. he's he was the first internet star. He was the first guy to go on YouTube and make inside insider term jokes about how they're burying Zach Ryder. They're dropping the ball with them. Right. And he got extremely popular because of that. And now like, again, there are people who are adult wrestlers who grew up watching his YouTube videos who were yeah. influenced by what he did. He changed how wrestlers use the internet. He changed how people use social media yeah. within the world of pro wrestling, but he stayed with WWE until he was released. Like he kept signing with WWE yeah. and however frustrated he got, he still had outlets. He was still satisfied with, you know, not satisfied, but he was happy enough with yeah. making the money he was making, getting the, like getting action figures of himself and, you know, like, and Kurt Hawkins was a dude who has all the respect in the world from everyone, but like, you know, he got released once, went on an indie world tour, got signed again and happily went back when he got injured while he was with WWE, he happily began studying how to work backstage as a road agent, then returned to a pro wrestler. And the, the entire way Kurt Hawkins was used was he had a year plus long losing streak. Right. Like right. he was the, he was the guy who loses matches in a company where no one is a jobber anymore. Yeah. He was the one guy who was, and he was fine with it. Like he was he did it the, to the best of his ability. Yeah. And now that now that both of those guys are are. Are, are loose they both Myers signed with impact months ago and Cardona had an appearance at AEW and then and now is with impact but like Brian Myers has completely changed his character he's doing really cool stuff in mm -hmm. impact and he's doing exactly what he wants to do he has a lot of creative control now and he's reinvigorated and he's loving what he's doing but it's not to say he wasn't loving what he was doing before he was he was content. He was grateful for what he had and he was making a really good living for his family and he had everything that he wanted. And now that he's free, he has everything that he wants in a different way, in a different venue. So like, I, I understand, I completely understand. I completely understand uh, creative frustration or right. creative fulfillment being at odds or in league with what you're doing for a living to make money. Like, I understand that it's, it's a push and pull. That's not exclusive to professional wrestling. Right. It's something like that. Everyone has to come to terms with like, am I going to make a living for my family or am I going to be completely creatively fulfilled? Like, or am I going to, or yeah. am I going to find ways to be creatively fulfilled while doing yeah. the thing? That I, like, Cause like, I don't doubt that every person whose talent for WWE is living a dream to a certain extent yeah. and like maybe the dream is not what they expected it to be but at the end of the day like they're still doing what they want to do and right. getting paid for it yeah i mean especially the last like year when all house shows there's no more house shows so just doing yeah. the two weekly shows in the pay-per-view and half those guys what are you even doing for the past year 
you know i mean collecting a paycheck that's great but like you, you see drew gulak every week you know in his attire doing nothing you know he's just chasing you know our truth for the 24 7 title well you i know? gotta say it, it would, if, if i were a pro wrestler i would if i were a pro wrestler who was in wwe and not being used yeah. on tv every week i would be so thankful that i'm not that i'm able to either sit home and collect a paycheck or go to work and sit backstage and collect a paycheck rather than like being on the indies because there are people who are not on aew contracts not in wwe contracts who are on the indies who are missing out on a over a year of income or who are having to string together a bunch of shows in really unsafe working conditions um and that that fucking sucks like there's there's a uh, sorry cussing i don't know by all means <laughs> there are there are there are promotions that i enjoy that have been extremely negligent yeah. during covid and it's a huge bummer and talent who aren't signed to aew or wwe right now often are in a position or feel like they have to decide between can I put myself, do I put myself in, at extreme risk of COVID, at extreme risk in this pandemic to take these indie dates or do I not make money? Right. And that sucks, man. So yeah. so people who are lucky enough to be under a WWE contract and obviously it sucked that WWE released a couple dozen people right at the beginning of, yeah. uh, of COVID uh, after they had re- reported you know, record profits. Like right. that's pretty inexcusable but um i think the people who are left at wwe are pretty thankful for what they've got right now unless unless you're someone like alistair black or andrade almas or uh maybe ricochet or someone who uh understands there are contracts out there with with promotions big contracts that you could have the instant that your contract's up or the instant that you ask for or are giving your release. And that's not necessarily the, like, I think most of the people who got released in that big cut have found jobs elsewhere at this point, yeah. but there are a good amount of people who haven't and are just having to, you know, make do with yeah. what they've saved up or make do with what they can get here on up. Why do you think they like haven't utilized Alistair Black? You mentioned he's like the total package. Why haven't we seen him? I think that there are a lot of pro wrestlers. Um, so, you know, there's always, you know, reports out that, you know, Vince McMahon wants certain things out of wrestlers. There, there, are, there have been rumors for years that the reason that Cesaro doesn't get a push is because um, Vince McMahon thinks his accent's too thick and thinks he's, you know, even though for a guy right. who's gimmick is that he's very European, he thinks he's yeah. too too European. Yeah, right. <laughs> so <laughs> he he thinks his accent's too thick. He there are reports that Andrade didn't learn or didn't speak mm. English well enough for uh, being the next you know crossover star, and maybe Santos Escobar will be that guy now. Who knows? Right. Um, but you know, uh, 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 Angel Garza and uh, Humberto Carrillo have both yeah. disappeared from television. So, yeah. uh, who even knows? Uh, but Alistair Black, I think it's. A, I think. I think mostly. I, I think there have been reports there, but I. I think. I have zero problem believing that Vince McMahon just doesn't understand Alistair Black. Um, he doesn't get. He may. He may like. 
he may like Alistair's look. He may like Alistair's ability, but he, I don't think he gets what makes Alistair special. And I don't think he gets how he would approach marketing Alistair Black as a top star. And I think that if there's someone that he doesn't understand that it's easier to just not use them than to try and find a way to use them. Um, Cause it, you know, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter if, you know, writers bring to him like, Hey, we got all these great ideas for Ricochet and Alistair Black and whoever, and whoever, yeah. if Vince doesn't understand or believe in them as a star, the best story in the world isn't going to crack through to him and he just won't yeah. put them on TV. And you know, in, in the book, basically mentioned he does everything, you know, even you know, catering, you know, basically everything, you know, down down the line. Is he still the same way now? Does like you know, Hunter have any influence with him? Stephanie, I mean, is it just he has hundred percent control still? He still has final say on everything. Um, the current um, the current brain trust right now is basically. Um, Vince and Bruce Pritchard. Okay. Um, Bruce Pritchard's back um, during the the nineties, uh, like you know, I don't know, eighty nine to ninety five or something like that. During the nineties, um, Bruce was like the right hand man to. He's the guy who played Brother Love. Right. For people who aren't yeah. who aren't familiar, um, he he's the guy who was Vince's right hand man. He's always been a guy who's been willing to like laugh at Vince's jokes and do whatever Vince wants to do. Or the guy who's been known as like, I can present an idea in a way that Vince will be receptive to. And he's back now. He's been back for a couple of years at this point. Um, And it's since Vince is so familiar with Bruce Pritchard, he cedes some control to Bruce Pritchard, but the guy he's ceding control to is a guy who is extremely in line with what he knows Vince is going to like. Right. So it's basically like having two Vince's. <laughs> yeah. So does like say, you know, Hunter or, you know, or anybody else kind of go to Bruce saying we have an idea. Can you convince, you know, Vince for this? I'm sure it happens. Um, right. tri- uh, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, especially Triple H are getting more involved. Um mm-hmm. But Triple H is really focused on NXT, and right. especially now that NXT is on USA, like he has a reason to be focused on uh, NXT as you know the next thing that's gonna you know be happening in pro wrestling. And I, I can't imagine the the only way I foresee Triple H not taking over WWE um, when Vince steps down or Vince passes away is if uh, is if WWE sells um, okay. prior to that. And I think that there's actually a possible, like if you had asked any time up to like 2015, if Vince would never consider selling WWE, I don't think anyone would ever say there's a, I think they would say there's no chance in hell, but, uh, but I I think that it's, uh, it's more realistic than it's ever been before because they saw how much UFC sold for, they saw how much all these other huge like things have sold for. They've, they're on their you know what fifth billion dollar contract for tv rights so yeah. they under that whole family understands very well right. what sort of payday we're talking about because you know it's 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 do we keep doing this and and be in control of our own destinies or do we you know 
have have the the have four or five people in a family or four or five people in a company become billionaires by selling this company like there's that's i i I don't think there's anyone who who wouldn't be tempted by that yeah absolutely and it was probably now an opening since the network was sold peacock right and comcast i'd imagine there's possibilities everywhere there's um there had been rumors that like disney would be interested there's been rumors that universal would be interested there's rumors that disney more on the like obviously abc espn side not like disney proper but it's still the same company so uh yeah i mean there's there's possibilities everywhere like wwe has a million dollar contract has a billion dollar contract with fox they've got a huge contract now with nbc universe i mean they, they had they had stuff lined up with universal prior to peacock but now that they're they're part they're going to be part of peacock starting with wrestlemania um yeah that's a that's a huge possibility i think that they're i think that basically anyone who's like a major player in um in programming and in uh broadcast television is going to think about buying wwe at some point because in the current in the current television landscape um you know people talk about ratings all they want but um television is absolutely fundamentally different now than it was in 1997 1998 um television just isn't the same thing that it was and in in the current balkanized dvr landscape of of mass media the one king in that is live sports and live (laughs) programming um that's why so many that's why so many like television networks are doing like oh we're going to do a live all in the family we're going to do a live uh finale of mass singer like that's why this happens is because it's the one thing that you you want to watch as it happens um and having sports content um is invaluable and having especially a a mechanism and a tool that's as oiled as wwe as automatic as wwe to 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 say like oh you know we can buy wwe and have up to 15 hours of programming a week by buying this one entity like that i think that's close to invaluable for a a network yeah and you know things don't matter but you don't have to worry about those hours a week you know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. there, and, you know, and it's, it's absolutely, it's, and it's 52 weeks a year. It's not yeah. like you have to worry about, you know, a show going 10 episodes, 26 episodes, whatever. It's, it's there. Now, how much has not having fans, like, you know, the gate hurt the company? Uh, it really hasn't hurt the bottom line. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's affected it. It has, it has affected the bottom line a bit, but at the same time, um, they're saving money right. by not having those house shows. They don't have to rent. They don't have to, they don't have to rent the stadiums. They don't have to pay no. for travel. They don't not. I mean, a lot of most talent was paying their own way to these shows, but they don't have to pay to like transport the entire like ring yeah. and the rigging and the lights and the audio and the screens to every, everyone, everywhere in the United States, uh, five nights, six nights out of the week, every week every year um because you know most house shows are drawing like a few thousand fans and the 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 revenue the revenue from house shows is 
driven by ticket sales, but largely driven by like merchandise and concessions. And uh, WWE shop has drastically spiked in merchandise sales over the, the, you know, the pandemic. So I think that they're, when you take the lack of house shows, but the increase in merchandise sales combined with their, all of their new contracts that are, you know, uh, coming in and all of their new deals and partnerships. And they're always finding ways to pick up money off the table, like doing virtual meet and greets yeah. and all sorts of stuff that, uh, and now <laughs> uh, deciding to take over ownership of people's like Twitch channels and exactly. Yeah. All that stuff. Like yeah. they're, they're not leaving a lot of money on the table. And um, honestly, the, in my opinion, the house show thing is fun for fans who want to go see it's fun for fans who want to go see the experience and get a little bit different experience than they're used to on television right uh, and it's good for the um the wrestlers who get a much longer time in the ring in front of fans to try out stuff before they do it on pay-per-view or whatever right. um so there are definite drawbacks to it but i i i honestly genuinely believe that the house show model of professional wrestling is really outdated and is probably something that should have been scaled back drastically several years ago. Um, if house shows don't come back, I I personally don't think it's a bad thing for the business. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. I think that I think that if if house shows come back, they won't come back on the same schedule that they were. And I'm basically keeping WWE shopping business because my my daughter has <laughs> every uh, women's T-shirt. I think Who, who's her who's her favorite besides the Bellas? Uh, right now in Sasha. Nice. Yeah. 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 She's but, you know, some, yeah. She, she's fantastic. And also, you know, <laughs> branching out the Mandalorian and everything else. She's, she's great. And, you know, she's, she's a true heel. So I, yeah. I think they're starting to ease her back into that because you can't have two babies face. At WrestleMania. I mean, it's, it's been done before, but you, you gotta have, you know, I think Sasha be a true, true heel, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll leave you with this question. We talked about the, um, the hall of fame coming up uh there's one member of the hall of fame who i know a couple of people are very outspoken about his removal and that's donald trump and i know there's no physical like hall of fame so they could probably just delete his name from a website you think i know vince obviously is close with him you know with um, linda being a part of his cabinet do you think that'll ever happen no um i i don't think i think the only thing that would um i think the only thing that would have trump be removed from the hall of fame would be if a coalition of the very biggest names in the hall of fame went to to vince and said i don't want to be part of your hall of fame anymore unless trump goes Mm -hmm. i think it would i think it would have to be like rock austin Mm -hmm. batista and like six other people i think it would have to be like rock austin flair michaels batista bret hart like because mick foley has been really outspoken about it yeah. but mick foley is not going to change vince mcmahon's mind he's never right. been able to change vince mcmahon's mind about really anything yeah so i think i think that the really the actually uh i i did another interview talking about this um not too long ago um but i think that that's really at this point the only thing that would have any impact and any pull and any sway on vince mcmahon because it's it's not like the hall of fame's real it's not like yeah. the hall of fame is a physical location right. I, and honestly I, I i am also one of the people who doesn't really think that that matters i think that there's there are so many halls of fame 
everywhere that don't have physical locations that I don't know why WWE gets singled out for it. But um, and I think I think that honestly speaks to how much people care about the WWE Hall of Fame. They want it to have a physical location. Um, But the the Hall of Fame is arbitrary. It's it's people bring up a list of potential inductees to Vince McMahon and he signs off on whether he wants them in his Hall of Fame. Right. And he's so tied to Donald Trump and, and his whole family's so tied to him and their personal friends with, yeah. with Donald Trump going back so many decades um, that I, I, I don't think, I don't think Vince would even consider it on his own to remove Donald Trump. Cause right. like, like all Donald Trump supporters, Vince McMahon doesn't think Donald Trump has ever done anything wrong. Yeah. And like a lot of, I'm sure there are approximately half of WWE's fans who Probably. don't have a problem with Donald Trump being yeah. in the Hall of Fame. So I and um, and if Donald like I don't think Donald Trump's going to face any consequences for anything that he's done in his life. No. I don't think he's going to face any charges or be convicted of anything. Um, and until he until he is, there's nothing you can concretely point to from a trump apologist standpoint right and be like he should be removed from the hall of fame because of this like if it didn't happen after the insurrection yeah it's never gonna happen yeah i think that i think it would take a coalition of hall of famers to come forward and say we're going to remove him and maybe that maybe after vince mcmahon dies that coalition could go to triple h and say hey we think that we should try it Right. revisiting this at this point but at that at that point i don't think anyone's really going to care about who's yeah, in the slow like i mean donald trump has way more claim to being in a wwe hall of fame than drew carey who's in the wwe yeah. hall of fame right. more claim to fame than pete rose who's in the wwe hall of fame arguably more yeah. than mr t who's in the wwe yeah. hall of fame um donald trump main evented the most lucrative wrestlemania in history and the most purchased so and he, you know, hosted WrestleManias four and five, and right. you know he's he, he's a he's a big part of pro wrestling history. Um, so I on a on a wrestling celebrity on a celebrity wing of a pro wrestling Hall of Fame merits he has a, a more claim of being in there than most of the people in the celebrity. Right. Wing. But yeah. um, I don't think that there's any realistic way for him to be removed unless many Hall of Famers biggest name hall of famers band together and say Vince McMahon it's, right. it's him or us right I got one more I just thought of because you, you mentioned the hall of famers um they announced Hogan and Titus O'Neill to be the hosts of Wrestlemania <sighs> yeah. there was a big uh like push and I, I was pretty for, for it too having Bailey and Billy Kay who both were fantastic and neither I don't know if Bailey's hurt because we haven't really seen her wrestle in a while but her transformation has been fantastic. <laughs> she should host WrestleMania alongside Billy Kay because Billy Kay completely underrated her character. The fact they broke up her and Peyton Royce were, was criminal because yeah. that tag team was fantastic. Yeah, it would be fantastic. Um, I would, I would, I, I would prefer anyone to Hulk Hogan really yeah, at this point, um, or just about anyone. Um, yeah, I, I think Bailey and Billy Kay would be great. I think Billy Kay and Titus would be great. I think Bailey and Titus would be great. I mm-hmm. think anybody <laughs> xavier woods and anyone would be great right. um yeah but i mean the the last time hulk hogan uh hosted wrestlemania 
he didn't really do anything other than come out of the beginning and say hi to the crowd and leave. Right. Um, but the, the bummer of that was when he made that return um, with Alexa Bliss um, at WrestleMania 34, 35, uh, one of those. Right. Um, I was there for that. And uh, something that internet wrestling fans often lose sight of is uh, internet wrestling fans tend to cultivate um, an internet wrestling bubble around themselves, whether they mean to or not. Um, and the unfortunate truth is that probably a majority or at least half of the people who really care about wrestling and watch it every week don't have a problem with Hulk Hogan and still still view him fondly through through the lens of nostalgia and some I'm sure feel he's vindicated um, by winning his libel lawsuit against Gawker or whatever Um, and they or they feel that you know he paid his uh, penance by being shunned from WWE for a handful of years and then coming back Um, but I was uh, I was really disappointed at you know the 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 cheers outweighed the booze when he returned, right. um, and that they continue to in most uh, in most venues he's in, and that people continue to still love uh, Hulk Hogan or the wrestler that Hulk Hogan represents than um, uh, than than don't. But mm-hmm. I think that the I think that the power of advertisers is still a real thing and um, people were able to um, pester Snickers enough to get the Mm -hmm. fabulous Moolah battle Royal changed to the women's battle Royal um, at that first WrestleMania. So, so that's great. Um, So ever since that announcement came out, I've seen people tweeting it, you know, um, T-Mobile and uh, Snickers and whoever else is uh, sponsoring WrestleMania and saying like, Hey, are you okay with this uh, racist hosting this big sporting event that your name is on? So maybe that maybe that'll pick up some steam, hopefully. And uh, because money always talks, and uh, we're lucky enough that for the time being, um, advertisers and corporations are still very interested in are more interested in um, projecting compassion than projecting. whatever the other half of the country is interested in yeah um so so we're we're lucky that we're still in that in that uh in that cycle in that mindset of capitalism because i i fear it won't last forever but i'm grateful that for now at least these companies are uh focused on at least paying lip service to the fact that they want to be inclusive and they want to not shut out any potential you know, purchasers of their products. Um, because the truth is that even if it is lip service, it's still important to pay the lip service because mm-hmm. um, that means a lot more than um, willfully saying like, no, you know what? Fuck you. We don't care about you. We don't care about you as a person. We don't value you as a person and you cannot buy our products. That's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all PR. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we promised you a great main event by Harper Collins. Uh, I listened to the audiobook; it's great. Uh, I can't read. I'm just kidding. Uh, 
I just it's a lot easier to do audiobooks these days. Uh, check it out; it's fantastic. And Bill, thanks for a few minutes tonight. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks very much. And a special thanks to Bill for joining me today. Check out his book. We promise you a great man event. You won't be disappointed. It's out in every format by HarperCollins. You can follow him on Twitter at Sundown Motel. And if you have a guest suggestion, hit me up on Twitter at the first Noel19 or like the page with my youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes, not our problem. Show can be found on SoundCloud, Podbean, Spotify, wherever podcasts are found. A new episode comes out every week. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you then.